region of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, and beyond. This is the time when we need to write and make art for the sake of healing our souls and enriching our communities. Welcome to Artemis Speaks. Hello, this is Jerry Rogers, and today's interview, I'm going to take you behind the scenes of making a literary and art journal. We've had some real growing pains with Artemis. We're now 43 years old and 27 journals in our belt. And we had to make some big decisions this last year. We're getting submissions well beyond our Blue Ridge Mountain range. We're getting submissions nationally and internationally, and we're still standing. But we had to bring on some more people. And we brought on a dynamic duel of married couple, Paige Turner and Zephyrin Turner. And we knew each other prior to them being involved. We had published Paige's work in Artemis Journal in previous years. And it came to our attention that they worked together and on many, many different projects. Uh, they both have a wide range of artistic experience. Uh, Paige has... Uh, you know, exhibited internationally and nationally. She was included in Scheifler's publishing 50 Contemporary Women Artists book last year. And since 2015, she is also a featured, uh, not featured, she's the art editor for the Exponent magazine, a feminist Mormon women's ma magazine. And she's lectured internationally. Her husband, Zephyrin Turner, which I think is so cool that when they got married, Paige's name became Paige Turner, which is perfect for our journal, because we want our journal to be a Paige Turner. Anyhow, he, he had studied illustration and book design at the Savannah College of Art and Design. He's worked with design and digital output for over a decade. His illustrations have graced many covers of other poetry books and has provided product design, print, and digital retail catalog design. And on top of that, he's designed film sets. Go figure. Well, we started talking, and we knew they were perfect to join our team. Working together, they, they're amazing. Their professional uh, you know, output you know, together with their personal lives, uh, according to Paige, quote, our artistic synergy always creates a stronger end result. And they work together on this issue of our 2020 journal. So I wanted to give our listeners an insight into what it's like to publish an art and literary journal. And it's, uh, 
it's quite a process. We have several teams that work with us. Hats off to Maurice Ferguson, our literary editor, and he has been joined with three other associate literary editors just to read the volume of work we're getting in. Um, so they then select the poetry, and Paige and uh, Zephyrin then uh, create uh, the component of putting the art with the poems. So it's it's quite a process. It's it's uh, it takes almost a year to put it together, but we're always excited and we keep keep it going. It's amazing that that Artemis is still going after forty three years, and I want to put a big shout out to Roanoke Arts Commission for supporting us, the Taubman Museum of Art, and our other donors and people who even just submit poetry and art. So it's a community effort. We're a nonprofit, and we're thrilled that the fire keeps getting passed on. So welcome, Paige and Zephyrin. We're so glad to have you here today for our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We, we appreciate you making some time to explain uh, or, or give us an opportunity to talk about what goes on behind the scenes of putting together um, a literary journal of over 100 pages. Fun stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you do you do a great job. I mean, this particular journal this year, I've had so many comments about how beautiful the journal is. And we, you know, that's... We want to create a, an object of beauty, a book of beauty, so that people are proud to have it on their coffee table and pick it up and read and share. So let's get Thank to you. know both of you a little bit. Uh, what what motivated you each to become artists? You want me to take this one first? Sure. All right. Um, well, uh, it kind of started in high school for me. I had an outstanding um art teacher at Patrick Henry High School, uh, Fletcher Nichols, and he was so encouraging, and they had such a strong art department. I think they had four different art classes running at any given time, so I kind of got into that community, and my father, who was a special effects painter in film, he married a woman named Eve Cauley, who was a production designer for films, and so I just, my whole environment, I was steeped in art from that age, and that led to college, you know, art art school, and uh, just from there, just just kept going. Yeah, I I also had a fantastic foundation of arts in high school. I went to Cave Spring High, and I developed a a, a personal relationship with Sandy D'Alessandro, and she helped me to manipulate my schedule where. I was able to have my homeroom. My first four periods of um, of classes were all art, and I had a study hall and lunch. So I pretty much spent most of my day in the art department. And she gave me free reign of her beautiful art books, which is really what kind of got me to cut my teeth on uh, looking at art in publications and learning the way that uh, the masters have presented arts in, in, in books as well. So I not only am a page turner, but I turn pages. I love books. I love art books. And it, it, it really started in, um, in, in my high school years. And from, from there, I studied community development and did an AmeriCorps tour with Total Action Against Poverty in Roanoke City. 
um, where I learned to blend community development with art, which also kind of lends itself very nicely into the publication world. Um, and from there, I would have to say that, that Zephyrin has encouraged me from the beginning of our marriage to take these strange little objects that I was making and to put focus in, in, in them and to sh share them with, with people, which I was incredibly surprised that people actually enjoy um, looking at the, the, and responding to the work that I, that I make, but it was mostly from Zephyrin's encouragement of, um, conten what... continuing to, 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 um, take my, take myself serious and take my voice serious as, as well. So it's apparent your union has really been a dynamic force when you two work together, even though you work individually as well. And, uh, mm -hmm. if we wanted to see some of your work page you have a website yes uh, I, I have a placeholder website the best place to see my work would be in the 50 contemporary women book which can be found on um, in the Museum of Modern Art library the Hirshhorn um, bookstore as well as bookstores across across the country uh-huh well, they're amazing. I love your, they're called assemble, assemblage pieces. Is that what you yes. call them? And they're just yes. wonderful, wonderful. Well, just tell us a little bit about your individual projects as well as your collective projects. And then we're going to get into Artemis. Okay, sure. Um, so one, you know, you, you asked about, about my work. And one of the things that I'm working on right now are some ephemeral assemblages. So I'm piecing together uh, bits from my workbench. So other parts and pieces that I have manipulated and worked, found objects that I have manipulated and worked. And I'm piecing them together in assemblages that are not glued or in, in any way made permanent. And so um, Zephyrin and I are photographing these uh, ephemeral assemblages and I'm writing a, a little bit of poetry, and I have to say that Artemis has been a, a, a stimulation of my my own writing. So I am I am piecing together some some words as well as um, found objects that I have manipulated. And Zephyr and I are are working on putting these together in a an, an upcoming book. Wonderful. Yeah, Wonderful. That's, that's an exciting project. Um... I like I like working with uh, Paige's photography on this stuff. These ephemeral assemblages can only be represented with photography um, because you know as soon as we're done with the shoot, they just go back into the boxes that they came from, and so they they only exist for this one moment in time, and that's it. And I, I think that's kind of um, most art's not like that. We think of it as archival. You know, we want to keep it forever, but you know, making a piece of art that that that's only there like a like a sand sculpture, you know, until the tide comes in and for a moment for a moment and then it's out. And so they can only exist in photography, uh, which sort of brings a lot of different types of art together. Um, you know, print production, photography, sculpture and uh, digital arts to sort of create a moment in time that we can sort of reflect on. And they have a they have an eeriness about them that I really enjoy. Can and then you're you're working on another project. Well, um, one of the editors of 50 Contemporary Women, John Gosley, and I are working together uh, to produce. He, he did a book of poems with astrological signs. 
and um, he wanted to do a sequel and he wanted to illustrate it. And so we've come up with um, a series of a concept of carved illustrations or 3D illustrations. So I'm working on that with him uh, and then just sort of you know, product designing a couple of things, which is a lot of fun, you know, doing package design and stuff like that. That's mm -hmm. sort of the, the general side project that I get into a lot, which it's graphic design, but it's also print output and stuff like that as well. Um, across a lot of different platforms. You have print boxes and you've got to print decals. And so you kind of have to get all those things to match, even though they're coming from uh, different manufacturers and distributors. And once they all go into the same package, they have to look like they belong to a set. Um, and so that's one of the, one of my main, you know, jobs there is to make sure that, that um, packaging design, even though the graphics match, the output has to match. They have to be on similar papers. They have to be printed in a similar way. Um, so that that's kind of been sucking up most of my time recently is making sure that 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 project is looking good. And you do it so well. Well, thank you. honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to see both these projects. And uh, Zephyrin, your background in digital and print has been just valuable for Artemis. I mean, you know yeah. how to graphically get the art pieces right we of course we always pick the most expensive paper because we we have a, a big commitment to producing art in its finest and but yeah. you've been great at it creating the best you know the densest layered pieces on paper and and that's been wonderful um so talk a little bit about the dynamics of what goes into your design of artemis journal when you get the poems you have the poems in front of you, and we've sure. had submissions right. of art. You need to look at the art. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we, when we, when we get the poetry, we we both read them individually, and then we spend some time reading them aloud to each other. Mm -hmm. So we we swim in these words for weeks. And we give it a, a lot of thought about tone and content. And we give consideration to the flow of the book. So when, when we read one poem, what feels good to be read after it um, and, and to, to have kind of a, um, a, a sequence to, to the work. And one of the things that I have noticed is we we put this call out to to the world for to to send us your send us your stories, send us your perspective. And I start to notice a collective consciousness and and I start to notice similar themes that um, that are in poetry that's coming from across across the world and across um, people's experiences. You know, we have, all, all sorts of um, races and generations represented and, and, and backgrounds. And yet there is this thread that seems to be woven and connected, connect, connecting all of the work. So we, we do our job to really swim in them and think about, about them at, in, as individual and then collectively. And we do the same thing with, with the art. I'm an incredibly visual person. So I, I have to print each of the each of the art submissions, and I I I have to physically see them and pair them with the the printed poems as well. And you know, typically we get more poetry submissions than art submissions. 
And, um, and, and as, as an artist, I would like for there to be equal weight to the art in the book as well as the, the words. So when, you know, when, when we maybe didn't get equal submissions, I then go through my mental Rolodex and my community of artists that I know and that I've worked with in internationally and nationally. And I, from, from swimming in these, these poems and these words, I will then contact an artist and request a very specific piece, which makes our, our journal a little bit unique where it's not simply just the submitted um, images. We, we work with those and then we, I also go out and, um, and, 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 and edit, I art edit what's out there and I, I piece and pair together uh, the, the images with, the, with the, the poems. And a lot of times it's, it's a direct reflection. Sometimes it's a, a juxtaposed image to the work. Um, sometimes the images just have a similar tone or feel or expression. Um, well, you know, we make the book before we make the book. We make it physically. We're making it on the computer, but we've printed everything out and we've got a three ring binder, old school style, and you just put that thing together. But, you know, in the effort to get to know the images and get to know the poems, I mean, really get to know them, hear someone else read them, hear that emotional inflection, read them yourself, you know, sort of debate that. And then you get this great sort of overall picture of like how to create this emotional waveform or arc within the book where you know you don't some poems are very serious some poems are very sad some poems are very introspective some poems are very playful and you want to be sure to create something that um creates enough contrast between those emotional states visually and uh, in in the reading so that when you're going through the book it's not like a whole chapter of sadness you know sad is an important emotion we want to represent it but it feels better if it's sandwiched between two other emotions so that you don't get overflowed with one thing or another. It also allows you to stop on one and, and really reflect on it instead of losing a poem that, that maybe is introspective in a bunch of other introspective poems. Right. And so uh, that placement is something that we are willing to argue with each other over. I mean, we would sit down with the poems and the images and, and, and just debate the hell out of it, you know, in in a way that's constructive. But it's a serious debate, you know. Yeah. I mean, this. I mean, it is an act of Congress to get, you know, <laughs> one of these images with a poem. But when we make the call, you know, that that debate has really informed the placement decision. Well, and and I would say more critique than debate, which is also something that we do with our with our art together as well as our individual projects. And, you know, as, as artists, part of the training is to remember to step back from the piece and, and, and observe it from, with, with fresh eyes or, you know, when we get another person's perspective, they're, they're completely fresh. And so we are constantly going, you know, we're walking back from the book and, and taking, taking a look and we're getting close to it. We want to make sure that it, it works together as an individual page layout, as well as a collective book. So it's a lot of back and forth and um, sh ch changing our, our perspective. 
And then we also will set it down for a few days and do something utterly different with our time and then go back to what we're, you know, go back to that that act of Congress that, that we had paused on <laughs> and um, revisit it with, with, with a moment to, to forget about it, even though we never forget about it. It's just putting it in a different, a different place in our brain. Um, so we, we interrupt these work meetings with walks in the woods um, where we don't say one word about poems or, or art. And then we come back and and it's 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 a fresh and new take on um, on that that pause that, that that we had 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 hit. Well, while we're talking about layout, uh, we share in common a fascination with sacred geometry. Yes, I in my twenties had an epiphany about sacred geometry through a photograph I took, and this whole new world opened up. I I was just amazed and in a state of wonder for so long. And I decided at that point that I would try to, you know, create uh, those uh, proportions and dimensions and, and, and some of the principles of sacred geometry in my artwork. And then, yeah. of course, then Artemis Journal came about and we created the journal in the beginning, but I chose uh, eight by eight, eight inch by eight inch journal, which is a Fibonacci, uh, you know, number, which uses the sacred uh, geometry, divine proportions. And I don't want to get too much into that because I'm not sure the audience is familiar with all this, but you might want to uh, talk a little bit about that. When I was getting to know you, we both realized we were on the same page with sacred geometry. And I knew you guys would just be a perfect fit for our journal. And, and I totally trust you and, and look at the layout. And it's just, it's beautiful what you do, what you pull off. Would you like to talk a little bit about sacred geometry? I think it would be, it's, it's almost impossible to design something that has, um, you know, sort of an innate beauty or aesthetic to it, any arrangement at all without being able to apply that that divine geometry to it and and you know if you find something in nature that's beautiful and you take a photograph of it and then you you go to these mathematical sequences or these visual sequences i mean they break it down in spirals and rectangles and squares that you can use math but when you find something beautiful it almost always fits somehow or another right yeah. and um so you know you can arrive at these these types of arrangements through your intuition and then like, Oh, that feels nice. That looks really beautiful. And then you can, mathematical confirmation. Yeah. And then you can confirm it by just putting an overlay on it and being like, well, there it is. If you find something that it's like, it just doesn't seem quite right. You can use an overlay of like the curve and be like, Oh, it needs to go to the left a little bit. And then once you match it up, you, you find it. So it's sort of, it's like the thing that's, it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And, um, you have to be aware of it and let it happen. Um, right. And, and for me, that fascination, um, that perpetual fascination is that you can, you can be aware of it. You can apply the mathematical um, structure to it and have that confirmation. And you can also let it go and still see it and perceive it. And as artists and um, with, with putting together this book, we want 
that um, that aesthetic to resonate quietly and also loudly and be confirmed with the mathematics. So it's 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 kind of both of those things that if you have eyes to see that sacred geometry, you're going to you're gonna you're gonna see it and celebrate it just just like like you and I do, Jerry. And if you don't if you don't have eyes to see it, something inside of you will still resonate um, the 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 beauty or that you keep coming back to something. That's that that's kind of how I started to recognize was like, man, I can't stop thinking about this composition or this piece or you know how this one red dot is out of out you know way out to the left and and then why is it you know it'll it will it will compel me and when i when i then look at it with with the mathematical eyes it's it's confirmation that yes it does in fact fit that that fibonacci sequence or um the the the, the beautiful curves that we're all so attracted to um, so it's one of those things that as as designers and editors, we want it to be perceived and also not perceived at the same time. And that's that that is a balance that we try to achieve. Yeah. And, you know, human eyes, we're so sensitive to proportion as a general overall, you know, um, even how baggy are your pants relative to your shirt, you know, um, <laughs> how noisy is the pattern on your shirt relative to your pants, you know, um, it, it's strange how we can see it in almost everything. And then if you really start to uh, try to pull it apart, you know, as an artist, you're like, well, why is that attractive? You know, that's the question you should be asking when you find something attractive and you see something ugly, you have to ask yourself, why is that ugly? Why am I visually offended? And um, at the end of the day, and at the beginning of the day, the place to start with that is looking at these golden means and ratios and seeing if you can find a way that it fits or doesn't fit with that, because it's sort of the, the first clue. It's the genetic identity of visualization mm -hmm. in a certain sense. I like that. Yeah, that yes. Yeah. And, and you don't really have to understand the mathematical components of all this. Intuitively, we all know what looks right. And we know Absolutely. when we look at a piece of art and it feels good and it starts resonating oh, yeah. internally, oh, yeah. you know, that's really healing. And mm -hmm. to think about beauty and to look at art and to read poetry is a healing experience, which we have often thought about at Artemis, you know, certainly the way we started with, you know, writing workshops for abused mm -hmm. women, you know, there's just uh, a process. So, you know, we're, we're talking about layout on, you know, sacred geometry terms, but you don't really need to know all those concepts unless you want to know it. And then right. once you start investigating it, it is right. amazing. It opens up yes. so many doors, and uh, I have been perpetually fascinated by it my whole life. Well, s since my 20s, which is basically my whole life. And, uh, you know, I was just thrilled when I, I, I found that you two shared that because I knew we had based a lot of those principles in the design 
Oh, yeah. I also want to just mention, so people get to know you a little bit more, you are avid mushroom hunters, and you oh, yeah. produce all kinds of mushroom products, which I have been the recipient of and I love. But, you know, you all just have this amazing life, this ideal life where you're doing your art and you're creating, but then you go out in the woods. You're probably those mushroom hunters at 4 o'clock in the morning that are out finding you know, <laughs> turkey's tail. And I remember oh, yeah. I, I just sent you a, a, a text a photograph this weekend. I thought I found some chanterelles, which you quickly said, do not eat those. So you are my <laughs> you are my mushroom people. And I love that aspect about your life and, and how balanced it seems. And for me, finding these mushrooms kind of started with our, with our walks. Um, I was preparing for a, an art exhibit, an installation at, at Granary Arts in Ephraim, Utah. And I wanted to take with my concept with, with my installation was I wanted to share with them bits of the sacredness of my mountain. And so we, we walked these hills and I'm collecting bits and pieces and what I kept coming back to were these beautiful purple and yellow turkey tail mushrooms. And I used them in my installation. They dry perfectly. Um, they preserve their color perfectly. And then I, you know, we, we started doing research because of this perpetual fascination. Um, we learned how helpful they are to our health. And so, so I, I found it interesting that I was attracted to these mushrooms because of their visual aesthetic and um, and and their proportions they're they're just they're just the most darling little mushrooms that have such a variety of color and their growth pattern absolutely falls within these Fibonacci these rosettes and um, you know so that the way that they even populate the log that they are eating follows this sacred geometry um, so again, this perpetual fascination, and then I find out that they're incredibly beneficial to us for our, our everyday health, as well as our regulation of our immune systems. And, um, and then we find out that in Europe, the, the, the scientists and the medical community are doing the, this wonderful scientific yeah. research. Especially Japan. Japan yeah. is doing incredible research, especially with turkey tail. You know, my 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 departure point for all of that is is a little different. My my stepfather grew up rural poor in Galax, Virginia, um, and his family tradition uh, is is really living living off the environment because they didn't really have a choice. And um, so, you know, uh, I learned to be outside so much. He's such an obsessive person about it, and uh, <laughs> nature is just sort of. I mean, I might as well be in the living room, right? Like. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> Well, we are thrilled to have you involved in Artemis and, and using all of your artistic principles. And, you know, it's it's just been wonderful. We look forward to the 2021 We just uh, yeah. journal. We just closed our submissions, and we, we've got a lot of submissions. But we're Great. excited about it and uh, getting through 2020 here and looking forward to next year. And, and 
what you can produce will be wonderful, I'm sure. So we have been speaking with Paige and Zephyrin Turner. They're the art and layout editors for Artemis Journal, and we had an inside peek at how this all comes about. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Jerry Rogers, and this is Artemis Speaks. You've been listening to Artemis Speaks. Artemis is a charitable organization now 43 years old and has evolved to be all-inclusive, a journal with essays, poetry, and art. 10% of the journal's sales are donated to a women's shelter in southwest Virginia. If you're interested in learning more, artemisjournal.org. You can mail us directly at P.O. Box 505. Floyd, Virginia, 24091. The closing music and the opening music you're listening to is Jordan Harmon. And the song is Just Slow Down, a very appropriate comment for the times that we're in. If you want to read, you have to slow down. Artemis Speaks, the podcast, is recorded twice monthly at Final Track Studios so just in Virginia. All rights reserved and is co-produced by Jerry because
just slow down Just slow down if you've got to, baby Just slow down if you've got to Just slow down if you've got to, baby Just slow down Just slow down if you've got to, baby Just slow down if you've got to Just slow down if you've got to, baby Just slow down <laughs>